Well, our scripture lesson for today here on Holy Trinity Sunday is really featuring in on the creator God. Genesis 1 verse 1 all the way through uh, chapter 2 verse 4. But uh, wonderful, wonderful passage, the very poetic nature of the creation story. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together, God called seas. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs and seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth and it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth and across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas. Let birds multiply on the earth. And it was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. 
God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them all for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth and everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so. God saw everything which God had made and indeed it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it, God rested from all the work done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth as they were created. The word of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours now and forever. Amen. To start off, folks, I'm going to share a little bit of what might be considered too much information. Granted, it's borderline. I think we're going to be okay, but please bear with me. I've got a couple of rules that I sort of keep in the back of my mind, things that I've tried to teach my family, my kids, uh, as, as they've grown up. And it has to do with the bathroom. And it's essentially be prepared. When you go into the bathroom, make sure you have what you need. Make sure you've got a backup roll of toilet paper. If you're going to take a shower, make sure you've got your towel. Because folks, there is nothing more frustrating to me than to, to hear someone calling from the bathroom or even occasionally get a text from downstairs from my son. Hey, uh, can you grab something for me? Be prepared. But you know what? I broke my own rule this week. Friday morning, I was guilty. I didn't follow my own directions. I had taken a shower, and when I finished my shower, I pulled back the shower curtain only to realize that because of doing laundry the day prior, I did not have my towel hanging up on the towel rack where it was supposed to be, and I had to holler out for my daughter to grab me a towel. I broke my own rule. I did not follow what I always say is important to do, and folks, they have a word for that. It's called hypocrisy. When someone is a little hypocritical about a situation, don't they lose a little bit of credibility? Don't they lose just a little bit of, of that, that oomph to make you think, yeah, I should probably listen to them. Maybe we should listen to a different voice. I thought a lot about that, and I know this is a silly example, but it was something that really kind of resonated with me. As I was thinking about some different things that I've been hearing, some different things that I've been thinking about, and one of them came from a message that I heard um, earlier last week that actually began talking about Martin Luther. Martin Luther, who is, of course, the namesake for our Lutheran denomination. He's the one who, on Reformation Sunday, all those years ago, more than 500 years ago, nailed his theses on the door to the church at Wittenberg over in Germany to spark off what we would know as the Protestant Reformation, the, the, the break away from the, the Roman Catholic Church to bring in the, the, the Protestant uh, expression of faith as we know it now. Now, especially within our Lutheran culture or our Lutheran heritage or our Lutheran expression or even our, our, our uh, 
our congregation, there's the word I'm looking for, sorry, I got a little lost there. Even within that, we pay a lot of attention to Luther. We read a lot of his writings. We teach a lot of his, his concepts and his, his theology and, and, and the small catechism and the way that shapes so much of our understanding. It's important, we read a lot of his stuff. But here's the thing about Luther. He wasn't a perfect guy. He wasn't always saintly. And he knows, he knew it. That was an aspect of his writing. But something that troubles me about Luther, something that I really encountered when I was in seminary and began reading more and more and more of his writings beyond some of perhaps what we would think of as the basics, is that later in his life in particular, Luther wrote a lot. He said a lot. He took a stance that was very anti-Semitic. He was anti-Jewish faith. He was anti-Jewish people. Unfortunately, a lot of his writings would be utilized by forces of darkness that led to the Holocaust so many years later, something that we think back in history. So Luther, as great as he might have been, has some aspects that maybe make us think, I don't know if I want to listen to that. I don't know if his voice is maybe the best one to consider because he himself, this, this, this namesake for our denomination, he had bigotry within his writings. And so maybe we begin to listen to some of the other voices, some of the other, uh, the other sources of, of information, some of the other sources of thought. And there were many. Luther was not the only reformer. There were a lot of them. And we can see how that has shaped the Protestant expression of faith as we look at the so many different expressions that are available now, so many different expressions of faith in different denominations that came from different trains of thought and different understandings. And you know what? All of that is wonderful. All of those different voices are wonderful. Even if we don't always agree on everything, we are different facets of the larger body of Christ. And together, our multiple expressions of faith, our multiple voices, and even the voices that are within the voices, if that makes sense, all of that comes together to explore this wonderful tapestry that is the church made up of the people who God has called to be part of it. Now, what does all this have to do with the creation story that I shared? Maybe a little bit more than we realize. I think this idea of multiple voices, multiple expressions, multiple understandings, multiple texts or, or, or thoughts that we can come at, that's even expressed within our scriptures. Now, a little bit of background. I've talked before about how there are different authors within the scriptures, especially through what we would call the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, how they were written over thousands of years from many, many different perspectives. And folks, we even see that if we would read on past the ending of where I stopped today and read chapter two, which you might be aware of is the second account of creation in which we find back to back, literally smashed up against one another, we have two different accounts of the creation of our reality. And while there are some similarities, there are also some differences. And we see these two different viewpoints, these two different ideas or expressions, these two different stories that help explain different truths about this, the creation of this reality that we live in. 
Now, in addition just to those two, there are countless different creation myths from many different cultures from all kinds of different directions. Some of them sound really similar. Some of them sound really different. And, and yet all of that is an expression of the fact that different voices come from different directions and that none of us kind of look at things the same way. Now, again, what does that have to do with the six days of creation? Here's where I want to go with this. As we have heard in this, in this particular account, this one expression of what the creation of our reality might be like, we find that God, who already is the spirit of God, the God, the creator, who speaks creation in through God's word, which might sound like the word made flesh, which might sound like Jesus, and then we have the spirit and we have God, the creator. Hey, we have all three of the Trinity right there. Holy Trinity had to throw that in there. But so we have God hovering over chaos and gradually over the course of these six days of creation and whatever a day means, if it's a 24 hour period or if it's a eon or if it's just time, whatever you want to think about that, over the course of this time, this creator God is bringing chaos towards order. And every single time God takes a step, God looks at it and God calls it good. And Underwood people, you've heard me talk about this so many times. This is the one Hebrew word that we really love and we really stick with, tov. God calls it good, tov. God creates something, chaos steps towards order, it's moving towards something and every step is good. And not only good, not only is it important to recognize that God calls it good, but when we do recognize that, we also realize that all this creation that God is doing, all of this stuff is because God takes delight in what's happening. Isn't that wonderful that we trust in the promise, we trust in the story, we trust in the expression of faith that we have a God who created out of delight and takes joy in what God has made? Isn't that amazing? I love that. And it continues as we go on. And God just makes more. And it's good. And makes more. And it's good. And makes more. And it's good. And so the earth is formed. And then we begin to have plant life. And then from the plant life, we begin to see that we have, we have the water creatures and the birds. And then pretty soon we have the, 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 the beasts of the earth, the animals. And then finally, the last thing that God creates, the, the apparent pinnacle, of this, this period of creation, this delightful creation is humanity. And there's so much that happens in that simple little tiny bit of this larger story that it just blows my mind. God says, let us create humankind in our image. Here's where this Holy Trinity thing picks up. Who's God talking to? In our image? I believe with every atom of my being that God is speaking within the community, the relational aspect of the Holy Trinity. God, the creator, God, the son, the Holy Spirit. In some way, they already existed. Now, I don't know how. I can't explain how. I've never really been able to wrap my head around the idea of what does one God and three persons mean, but God exists in relationship. God needs that relationship because apparently it's inherent to how God exists. And then God says, let us make humankind in our image and humanity is made. And God takes not only delight in it, but a whole lot of delight. This 
humanity which bears the divine image, and by the way, all humanity bears the divine image, God not only calls it good, but God calls it very good, which you Underwood people might remember, Tov Mahot, very good. God loves what God has made, and then God makes humanity, which is different from everything else because we bear the divine image, and that's very good. Well, folks, what does it mean that we bear the divine image? I think it means a lot of things, but most importantly, I think it means that we also need the relationship. We need the communal aspect. It's inherent within us. Now, yes, every single person is wired differently and some people are introverted and some are extroverted and some might not like crowds and some love crowds and some might like the solitude and being by themselves and some might hate being by themselves, but we all need one another. And that is expressed in different ways, but we need it. I think that's one aspect of that divine image that we are all bearers of. Now, what do we do with that? What does that mean for us here, June, early June, 2020, in a time where we are still experiencing separation because of COVID-19, we're still experiencing social distancing, and even though we as a community are also beginning to carefully gather outside, taking a whole bunch of precautions, and and some of you might be seeing this uh, now, or or you might also be coming to the, the, the outdoor worship, and maybe we're starting to see some things differently, and we're seeing restrictions begin to ease, but we're still in that experience of of distance and caution and and being careful. And for some in different parts of the country or different parts of the world, that isolation and that quarantine and that social distancing still means a lot more rigid uh, things or rigid uh, experience than, than even what we're going through now. It's different for all of us, but we're all bringing those different voices, those different experiences, those different facets into this one world that we all share. But I think there's something else at play here. Something else that perhaps is prominent in our minds as we think about different voices, different experiences. And that is going on in the racial tensions that we are seeing in the world so prominent, I shouldn't say in the world, that we are seeing in our nation so prominently in the last couple of weeks. It's still going on. And I know we all have our own opinions about it. And I know we all have our different experiences of it, and we can only speak out of our own experience. But folks, sometimes we need to let our experience go, and we need to sit and listen to the experiences of those who are coming at it from a different direction. That, I fear, is what we as a nation are doing a really lousy job of. But I hope what we have seen in the last two weeks is maybe evidence that we as a nation are beginning to start listening. I'm going to say something now, folks, that might be controversial. And honestly, I think it's really sad that it's controversial. Black lives matter. I said it. Now, I've seen lots and lots and round and round and round about this. And I have heard countless people say that if if I say that, me saying Black Lives Matter says that I don't care about police officers, or I don't care about those who put themselves in harm's way, or I don't care about this group, or I don't care about that group, or I don't care about that group. But folks, this is what I look at. Humanity bears the divine image, all of us, every single one of us. And so if we throw out the all lives matter that oftentimes we hear, duh, of course, 
That's what we express in our faith. But if all lives matter, that means black lives matter. And there's no but to that. And there shouldn't be a but to that. There shouldn't be an issue with me saying that. There shouldn't be an issue with any of us saying that because it means we simply acknowledge that they are beloved children of God. Despite, their, despite anything, there is no but. And you know what? My own privilege is talking here and I'm starting to go down the rabbit hole. And I'm making errors even by saying that. And, and you know what? That's part of this too. As I try to listen, as, and as we try to listen, are we listening to understand? And are we realizing that we are all in this together regardless of our own experience? That's the thing. This life, God made it. God called it very good. And we all express that. Here's the thing, maybe where I need to go with this, maybe as I need to wrap this up, because I could probably continue to talk and talk and talk and talk. God made this life, God called it good. God made this world, this reality and called it good. God did not call it perfect. It is not perfect. And we all know that. And for some, it is less perfect than others. If we can't acknowledge that, that's our privilege talking. If we can't see another side, if we can't see the experience, then we're not paying attention to history and we're not paying attention to current events. It is my hope and my prayer that our eyes are open to this, that our ears are open to this, and that we would look at one another despite any difference, which is wonderful, and we will see a fellow child of God, a beloved child of God, one who is a divine image bearer, one who God takes delight in. And may we remember that the same breath that's in our lungs is in their lungs. But all too often, for reasons beyond their control, perhaps beyond our control, perhaps beyond anyone's control, hatred chokes that breath out of them. I hope that we're uneasy thinking about this. We should be. Because our world is not perfect. And the promise and the charge of our baptism, our invitation, our claim by God to come into this, this body of Christ, this one body with many members, so many different facets, the charge that we have is to join in the work of reconciling this world. God made it. Humanity messed it up. Christ redeemed it, and we are called to join in the reconciliation. Now, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to step on our own tongues, and there are going to be people who are not okay with us. That's simply reality. And I think back to Pentecost last week and the, the indicator when the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in other languages. Somebody said they're drunk, and that's how they're doing it. Folks, there will be opposition. But we need to stand up. And we need to stand with those. And we need to use our voices to stand with those whose voice has been silenced for too long. God made it. We have messed it up. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to join in reconciling it. That's my charge today. And know that I'm speaking to myself just as much as I'm speaking to anyone else.